Season 1, Episode 16. On today's podcast episode, I will focus on our next developmental outcome, intellectual ability, and I will talk about why this is important for our young people. Every day, youth have the opportunity to develop this outcome, and you can play a role in that as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. Welcome back to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast. I am so glad that you're joining me again. I appreciate the trust that you've placed in me as I share my knowledge and experience in working with young people. But more importantly, I love knowing that you are out there serving, raising, and loving on young people. Let's head on over to our youth development construction site. I'm pulling intellectual ability out of our toolbox. When I say intellectual ability, many people immediately think of a traditional classroom setting or a traditional learning model. But I promise you, this outcome is so much more than that. And developing this outcome lays a foundation for lifelong learning and skill building. If you are familiar with child development and the ages and stages of learning, you will know that there are identifiable benchmarks for cognitive development that need to occur as a child grows. I think it's important to note that as a youth worker, you may be encountering young people when there already is a deficit in these developmental stages. The reality is that our youth are all over the place in terms of their cognitive development. And unless you are in an educational system, My guess is that you are not being asked to identify a young person's cognitive development in any gaps in their learning. But since we all work with young people in different ways, I want to give us a foundation for understanding intellectual ability. The Advancing Youth Development Curriculum defines intellectual ability as the ability and motivation to learn in school and in other settings, to gain the basic knowledge needed to graduate high school, to use critical thinking, to be creative, to use problem-solving and expressive skills, and to conduct independent study. There are six parts to this definition, and we will take them one by one to fully understand what we are looking at. And I will give you some strategies and tips that can help promote intellectual ability in our young people. Our first part of that definition, youth need to develop the ability and motivation to learn in school and in other settings. Yes, there is a component of an in-classroom learning environment, and they need to know how to learn in not just traditional classroom settings, but other settings as well. When I think about this, for me, it really boils down to not just specifically what a young person's learning, but it's their attitude, their effort, and their focus that they put forth. Are they open to listening? Are they able to sit and focus? Do they ask questions and make a genuine effort to take in information and process that information? Are they willing to learn? And when they don't really want to be there, do they have the ability and motivation to continue to do their best? As a youth worker, we help young people with this by talking about their attitudes and motivations. 
At times, we might even have to point out where we see them struggling or not even trying. We can share with them how what they are doing today is what really prepares them for tomorrow. To help promote this development around intellectual ability for young people, I always ask questions about what they want to do in the future. What type of job do they want? What kind of car do they want to drive? Do they want a house? Where do they want to take their vacations? Do they want to have money to help others? And do they want a family one day? While they may not always know the specifics about the type of job that they want, they usually get excited about thinking where they want to live, what they want to drive, and having a family one day. And I get that those things are much more exciting than just thinking about what type of work am I going to do. From there, I start to talk about how middle and high school really is their first steps in moving towards those things. And I encourage them to think about the middle and high school years and in the school setting as a set of stairs where they are trying to get to the top each year, each month, each week, each day is a step forward and a step closer to moving where they want to be. In my experience, that helps with their motivation. Now, here's the truth. Sometimes young people just do not like school. We can't change that fact. We can't convince them that it's good for them. But we can always help them to see it is a small season in a bigger picture of their lives. The second part of that definition is young people need the ability and motivation to gain basic knowledge needed to graduate high school. We live in a society and in a time where academic education is cursory until a certain age, and there is an expectation of a high school education or diploma to be hired for jobs that pay a higher wage, lead to a higher pay scale, and may even lead to a career. The youth that we work with all have different educational environments. Some are in public school, private school, homeschool, online education. And their home environments also impact their education in terms of how involved and how engaged a family is in helping them learn or how high of a priority that education is for family. There is also the truth that academically, some kids excel while others will struggle. All young people will come with different ability and supports as it relates to their intellectual ability. As a mom of three children, I can honestly say that each one of them have different strengths academically. One leans more towards English, one towards math, and one leans toward whatever interests him in that given moment. But regardless, their foundation needs to be the same. During the teen years, they are all working towards a similar goal, to complete high school and to graduate and to be able to move on. If you are not working in an educational setting, you may be wondering, What role do you have as a youth worker in this part of intellectual ability? I always tell people in this area, your role is twofold. You are an encourager and a connector. You can ask youth what they like about certain subjects, what they're learning, where they're excelling, where they're struggling. In these questions, you are listening for ways that you can encourage them to continue to put forth their best effort, as well as ways you can help connect them to other supports. This is where your role as a connector comes in. And sometimes it's simply connecting them to the reality that it's okay to ask for help and that they do in fact have the ability to succeed even though it's hard. As a caring adult, I believe at times it's important for us to reflect on our experiences as a young person. Specifically, think about what your own academic experience was like in your middle or high school years. Did you like learning? Did you like studying? Did you even like being there? 
Were there things you wished you could have changed or that you would keep the same? If you knew me as a teenager, you would know that I loved learning, studying, and being challenged academically. In fact, I still do. My experience is not like that of some or many of our youth, but that doesn't mean I can't relate or connect to them. I do understand not everyone has the same experience, and my role is to appreciate the individual experiences of our young people. That's why I always like to tell the story of my dad. He lived on a farm when he was growing up. There was one daughter and six boys in the family. My dad did not get his high school diploma as a teenager. He was encouraged to go to seminary. He was encouraged to go into the army. And then he was encouraged to get a job and to work. My dad worked hard and provided well for our family throughout his entire life. And he taught his children the importance of hard work. And he encouraged education. While I was away at college, my dad completed his GED because that is something that mattered to him all of those years. From this story of my dad, I always encourage young people to use their time now to get their degree because it's technically their job in the middle and high school years to get an education. I also want to acknowledge that social media sometimes paints a false picture for our teens. The teenager that becomes famous on TikTok or has become an Instagram influencer seems like the perfect gig for many of our young people. This idea that there is a shortcut to success that doesn't hinge upon education can be hard to compete with. It's in these moments I shift conversations to asking young people, what would they fall back on if suddenly a social media star loses their following or gets too old? Our role is to help young people find motivation. And again, one of the ways we can do this is by talking with young people about their own motivation and their own goals. The third part of that definition says young people need to develop the ability and motivation to use critical thinking. First, we must define what is meant by critical thinking. Critical thinking is a process that includes assessing, interpreting, inferring, and communicating. For example, let's say there's a toy that's not working. Somebody would first need to assess or figure out what's not working with that toy. They would have to determine or interpret the information and any observations that they've made and what that means. They would then infer or conclude, sort of connect the dots on how all of those things relate to the fact that the toy's not working. Finally, at some point, they would need to explain or communicate what the problem is. In doing these steps, they would have walked through a process of critical thinking. Young people need to be taught how to think critically. It's not just something that they're going to gain by reading a list of steps that doesn't fully engage them. Youth need real-life opportunities to figure out and to practice critical thinking skills. They need to be guided through this process versus simply being told what to think or why things are the way they are. I know as an adult that I've jumped in too quickly to give an answer or to make those connections. And those moments were lost opportunities for the young people. Without the ability to think critically, young people will struggle to assess consequences and potential risks. They will make repeated mistakes and bad decisions, and they will be challenged to solve problems when they arise. As a youth worker, you can model critical thinking. You can even create situations and scenarios to walk them through that a young person may face in life and help them learn how to assess, interpret, infer, explain, and eventually even solve a problem. When we can engage young people in this way, it will help them to develop this skill. And the more they practice it, the greater their ability and motivation to think critically will become. 
The fourth part of that definition says young people need to develop the ability and motivation to be creative. Have you ever sat in a room with a group of young people when they don't have their phones accessible to them? Have you ever watched young people be given space to create a game or an activity, to build something, to solve a problem, to draw something, to sing something, to create anything? When we can help young people explore ways to be creative, we are offering a chance to develop this outcome. As with any opportunity we provide young people, there are parameters and boundaries that will need to be put in place. But the key here is to engage young people open them up to new ways of being creative, and to give them the space and the time to figure out exactly what creativity looks like for them. The fifth part of this definition says that young people need to develop the ability and motivation to use problem solving and expressive skills. I've already hinted that problem solving is often connected to critical thinking. As young people think critically about a situation, that leads to a natural progression of solving a problem if that situation requires action. Young people need to be able to find solutions to make decisions and figure out problems. The safest way to do that is with a caring adult, as a mentor, or as a guide. That's where you come in. For example, if you run a youth group, you can create opportunities for young people to figure out a problem in your youth group. That problem might be something as simple as, what are we going to order and organize for dinner the next week? These may seem like low stakes and low risks, but that's the perfect place for young people to start. It's less scary, but it also connects to them personally. Honestly, the best way to develop this outcome is to practice this skill. Intellectual ability also includes developing expressive skills. Expressive skills include how a young person communicates, both orally and written facial expressions that a young person displays, gestures and how they move their hands, their body, as well as vocalizations and inflection in their voice. When young people lack expressive skills, they will struggle to communicate their thoughts, ideas, opinions, and even their needs and wants. This ties into problem solving because at times they need to engage with others and they may even need to convince others to take action. When young people don't develop expressive skills, they will have a more difficult time in finding their voice and feeling confident in their ideas and opinions. It ties to their self-worth in so many ways. So how do we help young people develop or practice expressive skills? One way I have always encouraged young people is by giving them opportunities to talk one-on-one. And as they get more comfortable with that, I work to engage them in talking in small groups. This isn't about public speaking or giving a presentation. It's really about helping them to become comfortable in expressing their ideas, asking for what they need and want, and being willing to communicate who they are. And again, the more practice they have in safe spaces, the more their skill and motivation grows. The last part of our definition says that young people need to develop the ability and motivation to conduct independent study. When I think of independent study in regards to young people, I think of youth finding something that interests them and reading about it, watching videos about it, learning about it on their own timetable. It can absolutely be a formalized process. But what I firmly believe a part of this outcome includes is this natural process of learning and a growing excitement for learning. The development of this outcome ties into becoming a lifelong learner. Have you ever seen a young person so intent on figuring out how something works? I've seen young people take apart an electronic device to see what's inside of it and then figure out how to put it back together so that it still works just because they wanted to know what was inside. 
They continued until they learned what they wanted or until they figured out what they wanted to know. Most young people would not consider what they are doing an independent study, but it truly is. They are accessing resources and information to learn something. Or how about those situations where a young person asks you a question? Do you answer it and give them all the information? Or do you create an opportunity to engage them in gathering information and answers for themselves? You can change the course of how things go when you seek to engage young people in the process of learning and information gathering. Safe opportunities to practice independent study with low risk helps to build this outcome in our young people. As promised, there is your overview of what intellectual ability includes and some ways and strategies that you can engage young people in developing this outcome. All young people need basic skills, and we do want them to develop the knowledge needed for high school graduation or receiving a diploma. But the truth is, the bulk of developing this outcome can take place outside of a traditional school environment. It can take place in their day-to-day lives and in their interactions with you. Since we are talking about intellectual ability, it seems fitting that I should give you some homework. Your assignment this week is to think of one way that you can help engage young people in critical thinking and problem solving. And I also want you to identify one way that you can encourage creativity or independent study. Remember, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's one small step forward. As we put intellectual ability back in our toolbox, I want you to remember that when you help youth develop critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills, the motivation to learn, to engage in creativity or independent study, you are helping them to fill their toolbox. And the more tools that they have in their toolbox and the more experience they have in using these tools, the more successful they will be as they transition throughout adolescence and into adulthood. In our next episode, we will add another tool to our youth development toolbox when we start to look at employability and young people. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.